The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Uh, Bibles, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 whether it's on your phone, tablet, whatever you have, Acts chapter 2. This is a cool day. And I don't even know how to preach in front of people anymore. But we'll, we're going we're gonna to figure out this day together. It's going to be interesting. You know, when I officiate funerals, I always tell people that when, when the Lord allows an event, good or bad, a baby being born, somebody dying, uh, a wedding, a graduation, whenever there's a punctuation mark in our life, it serves as a great time to hit the reset button in our lives. And w- we didn't ask for it, but, but we have had the reset button hit in our church. And, uh, and I'm excited about what the Lord is doing among us. This is, this is just a cool day. Uh, Acts chapter 2, I hope you're making your way there if you're not already there. Uh, you know, if we were to think of the most important day the most popular day in history for christians for you and me we would say easter it'd be the first thing that we would think of of the most important day the most popular day for christians Uh, another day that is equally as vital as easter is the day of pentecost which is what we're celebrating today our church rebirth Uh, if you know your bible well in acts chapter 2 it tells this great story of the church being born the day of pentecost you could say of easter we wouldn't be here without it We wouldn't be here without the cross. We wouldn't be here without Jesus. We wouldn't be here without an empty grave. Everyone honk your horns. Amen. Amen. We wouldn't be here without Easter. You could say the same thing for Pentecost. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for what transpired on that Pentecost day. Because of Easter, people are born again. Just like Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3.3 that he must be born again. You must be born again to know Jesus. You must be born again to be saved into His kingdom. You must be born again. But because of Pentecost, a church can be born. A church was born on Pentecost. Now the word Pentecost doesn't really mean anything all that important. It's taken from a Greek word which is describing the Jewish holiday that just so happened to be going on at the same time that the Holy Spirit came as we know our Bibles. So there's really nothing special about that name per se, but what happened on that day, what God did on that day was very, very special. So if you're in Acts chapter 2, look to verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, Are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judea 
and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Perigia, Perinthia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. And we hear them speaking in our own language the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others, mocking, said, they are full of new wine. So you have this picture in your mind. Approximately 120 believers together waiting in Jerusalem, just like Jesus had told them to do, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. They didn't know what to expect. They didn't know what was coming. They just they knew that it was a helper. They knew that Jesus says, it's, it's good that I leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. And 120 of them are together waiting in one accord. And then all of a sudden, this sound of a, of a mighty rushing wind fills the room. And they all start to speak in other languages. And these are, these are languages that are known by other people in the world. There's all these other people that are hearing this sound of all these people that are Galileans and they're all hearing them speak in their own language. And they're hearing them testify of the great and wonderful works of God. And they're saying, what could this be? This is, this is incredible. This is amazing. And the Bible says that others of them thought that they were just drunk. They thought that they were just babbling. And then Peter, in verse 14-36, through 36, he stands up. The Bible actually says that all, the, all the, uh, the twelve apostles stand up, but he was the one that began to preach. And Peter, as best we can tell, he preaches the first sermon that was not Jesus Himself. He stands up and he preaches this wonderful sermon of, of repentance and coming back to the Lord and, and trusting Him of who Jesus is and who Jesus was and, and what it was that He came to do, Him being the actual Messiah. And then in verse 37, which I invite you now to look there, we hear the response of some of the people that heard all of this going on. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from the perverse generation, from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Then they continued steadfastly with the apostles, doctrine and fellowship, and the breaking of bread and prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one another, with, with, with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their church daily those who were being saved. Everybody say amen for God's Word. So what do you learn here? First thing is that Jesus liked Honda cars. The Bible says that they were all together in one accord. All of you can laugh. And then you can say, never have that joke again. That's a terrible joke. Uh, but it is worth mentioning here that what many times is elevated out of this portion of scripture that I just read and certainly that covers this is the the topic of spiritual gifts 
And on one end of the spectrum, you have the Pentecostals who think that all spiritual gifts, including tongues and miraculous signs and wonders and all those things are still for the today. You have on the other end of the spectrum who, what you would call cessationists and people who think that no gifts are present today, no knowledge, no words of wisdom from God, no healings, none, none of that. And then all in the middle, you have a whole large spectrum of people that think that there are some gifts in act today, words of wisdom and knowledge, and that God can heal people should He choose to heal someone, but that the miraculous sign gifts speaking in tongues and those types of things are no longer for today. But that's certainly a great topic of discussion and one I'd love to be able to tell you about. But the main thing, the main thing that we draw from this text, the most important thing that is sadly many times lost in the many arguments regarding spiritual gifts, the wonderful thing that happened on Pentecost Day is, on Pentecost Day is that a church was born. Everyone say amen. It was born. The church had been given birth to and now this church is vital and it's growing and it's, this church had been born. And here we are today, however many thousands of years later, celebrating the rebirth of our own church. And birth kind of is a miracle. As I thought about this and prayed about this, I mean, just the whole mystery of reproduction and transfer of DNA and the process of growth, it's just, it's amazing. That whole process is, is amazing. A baby only has 126 million light-sensitive cells in each eyeball. <laughs> I mean, where do you get that? I mean, it's just, that's incredible. How, do, how does that happen? It's, it's amazing, this whole process of birth and rebirth. And, and for, for that to happen for a human or an animal or a church, there are, there are two pieces, there are two things that we see in Scripture here that must be in place. I mean, we, we can obviously understand that the, the whole precursor of this whole deal was the Holy Spirit being present. I mean, that was the Spirit lit the flame for the church. That was the whole thing that got this thing going. But, but what are the two things that make that so? What are the two things that cause that to come about? And, and make no mistake, God will do what God will do. But, but what's, what's the picture we have here? I think there are two things. There's the right environment, and there's a right response. A right environment, and a right response. When a baby is in the womb, the environment, it's, it's a right environment. The environment is perfect. It's the perfect temperature. It's the perfect protection. and It's, it's the perfect place for a baby to be. It's, it's the right environment. And not only do you have the right environment piece in place, but, but you have proper responses going on. The hormones that are changing both in the baby's body and in the mother's body. And, and there's responses happening to that. The baby's body responds to nourishment going into its body and it growing and developing all these new... It's just incredible that there's all these proper responses happening as this baby grows, as this process of birth takes place. But what about the church? What does it take for a church to be born or reborn. Let, reborn. Let's preach through these things. The first being the right environment. And I'll give you two subpoints for this right environment. The first being restored righteousness. Restored righteousness. We know in Acts chapter 1, the first thing that they did before the Holy Spirit came was they replaced Judas. We all know the story of Judas. He was the one who sold Jesus out for a few pieces of silver. He was a wicked man. The Bible says that he was the treasurer of the group and that whatever kind of money bag or whatever it was that he kept the money of the other apostles and Jesus that he would sometimes take money for himself. He was, he was not a good man. He was not an honest man. And the first thing they do in Acts chapter 1 is they replace him. 
with a man by the name that goes by the name of Matthias. And it's important to remember that before the Holy Spirit came, these people, these, these groups, this group of believers, they were, they were seeking after righteousness. And I'm not talking about perfection. They were not perfect people. I'm not a perfect person and neither are you. And that's good news for all of us to know that God can still use our broken selves in this way. I'm not preaching perfection, but what I am preaching is a seeking after righteousness, a restoring of righteousness. They, the disciples and the believers, they knew that there was this apple that upset the cart named, named Judas, and they replaced him. There was a seeking back to get back to 12 apostles that were unified together and, and following the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting him wholeheartedly. Not preaching perfectionism, but I am preaching a seeking after righteousness. Perfectionism says, I'm forgiven of God, therefore I can live however I want and I don't need Jesus anymore. But righteousness says, I'm broken and I need Jesus daily. Somebody say amen. Now what God and the disciples didn't say when Judas fell was, oh no, what are we going to do? They simply, he got replaced. He got replaced. And it is so important for you and me to remember, for anyone who serves in any capacity and ministry whatsoever, which should be all believers, what we need to remember is that God doesn't need us and very well could replace us. Judas was not a man seeking after righteousness and restored righteousness and this, this, this striving after being holy as I am holy, Jesus says. Judas didn't do that. And we need to remember that if we don't do that, it is no stretch of God's power to be able to replace us. I'm reminded of me in ministry that, that God could replace me. God could have someone else as the pastor of New Covenant Community Church in a millisecond. When I'm facing temptation and there's this battle inside of me to either strive to be holy as Jesus is holy or to, strive, or to be tempted in this way that, that Jesus could replace me in this spot of ministry at any moment that He would choose to do so. We must have a place of a right environment of restored righteousness, which is why I would say to any leader of in New Covenant Community Church in any capacity, Sunday school, elder, board member, whatever, if you are not walking in the Spirit, if you are not seeking after righteousness, if you're, if, you, if you're not striving after holiness as Jesus has commanded us to do, then remove yourself. Gracefully and lovingly remove yourself and do it quickly. We must, or just get right with God. That's what I would pray that you do, is, is humble yourself and seek after God. Let there be this restored righteousness in your life. Let there be a restored righteousness in New Covenant Community Church. Let this be the right environment. Amen? Let this be the right environment that the Holy Spirit would fall on this place and be able to use us because we want to be holy like He is holy and we need God's Holy Spirit to help us in that. We want to walk in the Spirit. Not a perfection but to be striving after righteousness. Psalm 22, verse 3, it says, But you are holy, God, enthroned in the praises of Israel. God is enthroned. He is, he is enthroned upon the praises of His people. That when we live righteous lives, when we worship and we praise Him and we are obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that Jesus is enthroned upon those things. If we expect New Covenant Community Church to be led of God's Holy Spirit, we need to be the right environment, the place where Jesus can be enthroned upon over our church and enthroned in our lives and in this church, that, that He would be enthroned in our praises. This must be the right environment as it was for the church in Acts chapter 2. Now B, the second sub-point that I'll give you for right environment. 
that we see very clearly elevated out of Scripture is unity. Everyone say the word unity with me. Ready, set, go. Unity. Acts chapter 2, we already read it. Look back to verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. 120 of them. Now let's just stop for a moment and recognize what an incredible miracle this is that 120 people are together in one accord. Y'all, if you use your backspace button as much as you do with as much as I do, how, I mean, how many of you, I've done this, how many of you have lost your sunglasses and they're on your noggin? How many of you have walked into the room and you're like, what am I doing in here? You've done that. I've done that. I mean, I can't even get my own brain to be in one accord on anything, much less 120 people that are in one accord together. I mean, that's, that's what an amazing, amazing thing of unity that we see here. And this was a right environment. that The believers were together in one accord. Now, what, what unity, I think, sometimes means, sometimes, is that God miraculously works in our hearts and we really all just want the same thing. I mean, that happens sometimes. But hardly ever. I think perhaps what, what we see the kind of one accord that these believers were in, perhaps, and what we know is God-glorifying, is, is that we sacrifice what we want and we elevate the unity of the church. I mean, this is why I tell the elders and the board members all the time, I say the only thing worse than not getting what we think is a good idea is not having unity among each other. And being honest, and, I mean, we, we cannot sacrifice our love and our unity for anything. There's nothing worth sacrificing that for. We must be unified together. As believers, certainly there's hills that you die on. If somebody wants to say that Jesus is not the only way to heaven, you die on that hill every time. Don't get me wrong. But when, when we know that we're believers together, everything gets sacrificed for unity together to be the right environment. And I fear church. I fear that there are many churches, many churches today that are hindered and hindered greatly by a lack of unity. True unity can only be had with the power of God. Say amen. amen. We need Jesus in our lives, and we, we need to be the right environment, one of unity. Um, you know, I'm, I'm so excited that Ohio is opening back up, and one of the things I'm really stoked for is for the zoo to open back up. My little Daisy, she is crazy about monkeys. I mean, you know her favorite stuffed animal is a monkey. I mean, she sees a picture of a monkey and she just kind of loses it. She, the kid loves monkeys. So it's going to be so fun to take her to the zoo to go see the monkeys. I mean, it's just going to be fun. And what she will learn, assuming she ends up going to the zoo as much as I think she probably will, she grows, uh, she is going to learn that each individual species of animal has a different habitat. The elephants have the really big one. And the monkeys have the one with all those tree branches that they can swing from. And, and, and the, the, the exhibit with all the different types of bugs are like down in this kind of cave looking type of thing. And she's going to learn that each different type of animal has a different environment, a different place that it, in, it inhabits, its own habitat. And it would be crazy. It would be crazy for someone to, to be walking with you at the Columbus Zoo and they point to this really tiny, very small animal exhibit that goes down in the hole and you would expect bugs to be there and they say, yeah, the elephants live there. You would look at it and be like, how in the world are they getting elephants down in that little tiny space? down? It wouldn't make any sense. And yet churches will sing songs like, Holy Spirit, come and be among us. You're welcome here. And people are bickering like cats and dogs in the congregation. It will never happen. 
the environment, the right environment is one of unity. It's one of trusting God. It's one of a restored righteousness. So we seek our hearts before we come to church. We trust Jesus. We recognize you and me always our desperate need for Jesus in our relationships among people. Say amen. We know that we need that. You know, I'm so thankful. Man, am I thankful for this church. I mean, I really love most of you. I'm, so, I'm still not sure about Tim, but, I, you know, I just... I really, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm so thankful. I've been at this church long enough that I've been able, honestly, I've been, I've been able to see some of your ugly sides. And, and I hope my prayer, I mean, honestly, my prayer is that you've been able to see mine and Abby's ugly sides too. But the thing that gives me great hope and excitement and encouragement is not our, all of our ugly sides. It's the fact that none of us are satisfied with those things. We recognize our need for Jesus. We see our ugly side and we say, Jesus, forgive us. Make us more likely. Holy Spirit, I need more of you. I need more direction. I need more focus. I, I need more of God in my life. I need more of His grace. I need, I need to always be striving after Jesus. We need to be like that demon-possessed, healed man in Mark chapter 5 that says, Jesus, let me just come with you. Let me just come with you. I just want to be with you. We need to be that kind of people to have the right environment in our own lives and our families and in this church say got it if you got it all right next right response right response the next thing that we see very present in the acts chapter 2 church was that they had the right response there were many right responses going on uh, you know how many of you have ever been to uh, whenever you go swimming whether it was a pool or a lake or wherever it was that you went swimming as a kid or even this summer you'll be swimming and you swim down under the water and you feel the pressure difference. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. You feel the pressure down in that water. And it's that very same concept that actually causes a baby when they're born to take that first breath. It really wigged me out when we had Daisy. I was like, how does a baby know when to take that first breath? It just doesn't make any sense to go from a fluid environment out into the air, and they just know when to start breathing. And it has to do with that change in pressure. That, that ba baby's body responds to what's around it and has the right response. And then all of a sudden, their heart's beating, their lungs are filled with air, and their body is reaping the benefit of air being pulled into their body and being able to utilize this oxygen in just this incredible way. They have the right Response. Now look to Acts chapter 2, verse 12. This is the people's response to Peter's sermon. It says, So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others, mocking, said they are full of new wine. I think from that verse alone it becomes pretty clear which group had the right response and which group did not have the right response. And then after Peter preached, look to verse 40. And it says, and with many other words, he being Peter testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. My dear friends, there were 3,000 people that heard what was going on, that heard the gospel being preached in their own language, that heard Peter preaching that wonderful message of repentance and salvation. There were 3,000 people that had the proper response. If I had to guess, the people that were amazed and perplexed, those were the very ones of the 3,000 that got saved and baptized that day. They were the ones with the right response. But those who were mocking, I have to imagine they probably did not have the right response. We know that they mocked and, and, and we don't have a picture of them moving into the church. They were simply known as the ones that 
were mocking. So paint this picture in your head. Peter is there with all those other believers in that upper room. The Holy Spirit comes. They're speaking in other languages. The Gospel's being proclaimed. The mighty works of God. I love what it says there. It's just, and all these people are hearing in their own tongue, their own native voice, this, this wonderful proclamation of what God has done. And Peter's a redeemed man. He was a sinner that's been washed by the blood of Jesus. Everyone say Amen. And he's in this room with all these other believers that were washed of the blood of the Lamb. They're redeemed people. And they're in one accord. There had been a restored righteousness in their life, if you will. And then they're in one accord. They have unity together. They're, they're choosing to be in one accord. They're choosing to, to be gracious with one another and to, to have the main goal be Jesus in their lives collectively together. And then the Holy Spirit comes. And how sad it was for those mockers how sad it was that this beautiful thing is happening. Peter's responding now to the Holy Spirit in him. He hears these mockers saying that they're probably just drunk, and, and the Holy Spirit's inside of Peter just saying, Preach, preach, preach. And he just and he starts preaching, and, and Peter's responding to the Holy Spirit. And all these people that are hearing the gospel in their own language, they're responding to the Holy Spirit, and they're getting saved. Somebody say amen. I mean, it's a wonderful thing that, that they are getting saved, and, and all these proper responses are happening. And here's what I believe. With all of my heart, what I believe, I believe that New Covenant Community Church moving into these days, weeks, months, years ahead is that we are redeemed people. Hopefully all of us, maybe not all of us, but that collectively the majority of us are saved people. We're redeemed and washed with the blood of Jesus Christ. And that we will move forward in life being in one accord. Not, that doesn't mean we all get what we want. It doesn't mean that we'll all just magically be granted with these feelings of exactly wanting the same one. It means that we will sacrifice and kill daily things that we think is a good idea so that we can have love and great unity as brotherhood together. That we will move forward like that. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will do amazing things among us. Yes, God is omnipresent, meaning that He is everywhere. But we all know that there, there are times when we, we have clearer direction than others. When I am sinning, I don't have near the clear direction than when I'm restoring righteousness and seeking after unity with you all and with my wife. There is a clearer direction. There is a clear speaking. The voice is clear from the Holy Spirit when those things are in place. And I believe that that will be true for our church. I believe that this will be a place where we come broken. It's our soft place to land and we're just going to drink in God. We're just, it's our place to just just to let God have us and to have Him change us and to be encouraged by each other in God's Word. I believe that that will be true for New Covenant Community Church. And what I would say for you is don't be a mocker. Not for my sake, for your sake. Don't be a mocker in that process. Don't be, a, don't, don't be, don't be in that environment where Peter's responding to the Holy Spirit and he's preaching and people around you are getting saved and because you can be in that environment. You can be in a restored righteousness kind of environment around you. And you can be in this environment around you where all, there's all this unity. But you can still be a mocker. Don't be that person. Be in the boat. Be, be, part, be in the part that goes into Acts chapter 3. Be in the church. Be in that plan. It, it, you never hear of the mockers again. But the church is still being heard about today. Amen? Be in the church. You know, it's getting into warm season now. And uh, many of us have pools or we'll be spending time at the lake and we will be battling our overheated bodies in the very intense summer heat. And to cool ourselves off, some of us will, will take a dip in the pool. We'll, 
We will get our bodies in water to cool off and we will enjoy that in this summer. And it's always funny, anytime you drive past a pool or you're at the lake, you, you, see, you see some people swimming, cooling themselves off, doing a, an appropriate job of cooling themselves off, and then you see some people just sitting on the deck. And what I want to say to you this morning, church, is don't just sit on the deck. There's a difference between being in the water and just being in an environment when there's other people in the water. You, you can enjoy the smiling faces of kids playing in the water, and you can enjoy being on the pool deck and enjoying that environment, but, but don't just sit in the pool, on the pool deck. There's a difference between enjoying what's around you and being in the water and reaping the benefits yourselves. And that is my prayer for us as we move forward. Brian, if you would come and begin to lead us. Church, this is an exciting day as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday and the rebirth of this church meeting once again in our building. I mean, this is just awesome. Would you stand with me? As we trust Jesus with our lives, we trust Jesus with the rebirth of this church. Abby and I were talking just the other day. There are so many things that we had going like Wednesday nights and classes and plans to launch a vision and it's like coronavirus. None of that. And the Lord has chosen to do a more excellent thing. To get us out in the parking lot and to make our worship have some more fervency to it. And to light a fire underneath me to preach His Word that has saved me, His Gospel. My goodness, if Jesus is leading us, church, there's no telling how we're going to grow this rebirth process. It's going to be new and fresh and exciting just like it is for a newborn baby. And that's a cute newborn baby right there. My goodness, that is, with the exclusion of my daughter, that is the cutest kid I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, this is your church. This is your gospel we're preaching, Lord. It's your blood that was shed on Calvary. This is all about you, Jesus. This is not about the agenda of what we want to do in Johnstown. This is about us being used, about redeemed vessels being used for your glory, that, that you would have a place to enthrone yourself upon our praises. That souls, when we properly respond to you, Lord, that, that souls would be saved, that they would respond to the gospel and they would know you, Jesus. God, we know You're calling people in this generation. You're calling people unto Yourself. And should You not use us, You'll use someone else, God. You, you, you will save whom You will save. You, but God, would You let us be a part of it? Would You let us share the grace and the mercy that, that You have shown to us? Would You make us proclaimers of it? Would You make us champion those who champion Your mercy and Your grace? This is Your church. This is Your Word. And this is all for You. And we stand here glad. Glad to be together. Glad to be used of You. Glad to do whatever it is that You would call us to do. Glad to worship You. Glad to be in Your family, Jesus. In Your great name we pray. And all the church says...